0: Amen. What awesome worship this morning. There is just, maybe, maybe it's the fact that that's my background coming from leading worship for 15 years, but there is nothing like being entrenched in worship with Jesus Christ. There is just nothing like it. I, I mean, we are going to spend, do you understand? We're going to spend an eternity doing that. I mean, we're going to spend an eternity learning who Jesus Christ is, learning what he did for us on the cross. I, I think we, we can't even fathom a mere fraction of what he did for us on the cross. And yet the Bible is full of what he did. I think we're going to spend an eternity learning who he is and what he did for us, what, what he gave up for us, and that, that is worship. That is worship, is when we connect with him, we're understanding who he is, we're understanding what he did, we're opening ourselves up to that very connection that he offers, right? I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing to me, that we can have that personal connection in worship to the God of this universe, to the one who created us. And it it, it really... This wasn't part of what I was speaking about this morning, except for the fact that it really goes along with it. It is about his love. It is the faith that we have in that love, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Wow, that's why we're here. I hope that's why you're here. It's because of that hope that he gives us. Now, we we started last week in a... um, uh, a three-part series, and this was based out of 1 Corinthians 13, but a three-part series of faith, hope, and love. And I want to tell you, you probably heard a million sermons on this, but there's a reason for that. And that is because these three items are the foundation of our walk with Jesus Christ. These three things are the very foundation of what will make you a success in life because of your relationship with Him. You will not be a success in life as a Christian without these things becoming prevalent in your life. It's impossible. You understand that? It's impossible. We talked about last week, the first one was faith. It was impossible to please Him without it. We cannot walk in this life pleasing our Lord and Savior without that element of faith. Right? Now, before we get into some of this, let's, let's look at this idea of these three things. I want you to turn first to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is this is a verse that we kind of wrapped this whole series around, right? Ecclesiastes 4.12 And it says this, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, so the point there is there is power in three. There's power when you take three separate strands and intertwine them together. They become stronger. That's what he's saying here in Ecclesiastes 4.12. Now, from there, turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, this is the love chapter, which we're going to be talking about next week. Last week we talked about a faith chapter, right? Hebrews 11. Next week we're going to be talking about a love chapter. Okay, this week we're actually going to be talking about a hope chapter. You don't really hear this idea of a hope chapter. Okay, but. This idea of these three individual things wrapped together in a cord gives strength. So what's it say in 1 Corinthians 13, 13? It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. All these three things abide. But the greatest of these is love. So there are three things, and we'll go through this next week as we get into love, but there are three things that the Christian walk must consist of. It's, it's, not, it's not a choice. It's not an option. <laughs> if you want to have a relationship with Christ, you have to have these three things to grow in Him. Last week we talked about faith, right? And what was faith? We know in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and, and if you didn't get a chance to hear this last week, I would, I would encourage you to go back to the podcast and listen. But Hebrews 11.1 one says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it is the very assurance, remember we talked about the Greek word there, meaning to have confidence in, or to remain in. So we have the assurance of things hoped for, okay? The conviction of things not seen. What that word conviction there we talked about last week meant proof. How do you have proof of something not seen? We talked about that last week. So faith is the very proof of things we don't see. If you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, and it, it's so hard, when, when you're talking with a non-believer, you're talking with somebody who does not know Christ, they don't have a relationship, and and it, you're, you're trying to get the words to explain to them that, man, when you do this, you'll know. How many times have you... I, I've said that a thousand times. I've said, when you pray this prayer, you're going to know. You're going to know because all of a sudden, by taking that step of faith, by stepping in the very faith of believing Jesus Christ, he gives us the confidence of the proof, right? That's, that's what it's talking about in, in Hebrews 11.1. 1 that conviction which is the proof of evidence. I know nobody can tell me that I do not have Jesus Christ in my heart. Why? Because he's proved it to me. He's proved it over and over and over and over and over again. Not just through external means, but he has proven it to me in my heart, that proof of evidence that secures my faith in him. That's what we talked about last week, what faith was. So that next one on the list this week is hope. Remember, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Last week we talked about faith. Today we're talking about hope. What is hope? I don't know about you, even when I started studying this, it was a little bit confusing to see the differences between faith and hope. Because, and there are differences, we're going to talk about that, but they go hand in hand. And oftentimes one is not a set thing before the other. Sometimes you see this cycle of faith leading to hope, hope leading to faith. But they are intertwined. We have hope in Jesus Christ. So let's define hope here. First of all, Webster, if you open up the dictionary and define hope, Webster defines hope like this. A desire of some good accompanied with an expectation of obtaining it, or a belief that it is obtainable. An expectation of something which is thought to be desirable, confidence, and pleasing expectancy. Expectancy. So, in other words, you're, you're seeing something good and you have the confidence, this, this expectation that it's going to happen. That's hope. I knew when I accepted Jesus Christ, I took on the hope of realizing one day I would stand before Him, that one day I would be with Him in heaven. That's hope. But what's a little confusing is that's also faith, right? So we, we wanna, we wanna draw a, a little bit of difference here. Now the Greek word for hope is elpis, E-P-E-L-P-I-S. It means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, out of the root word of elpis, an expectation or a confidence. You have confidence when you have hope. When you have hope in something, the, the Bible says there, for, for the Greek word of that term, you are having hope in that coming true. That kind of works pretty well with Webster's Dictionary reference, right? Now, I, I, I would imagine at the time that Webster's Dictionary was written, it probably had a lot more Christian influence in the world, certainly in the United States, right? So it, it kind of goes along with the same thought process. A desire of, let's go back to Webster, a desire of something good accompanied with an expectation of, of obtaining it. Right? That's what hope is. All right, but what's hope really in today's society? Because that's where we're at. What do people think of today when they think of hope? The definition of hope in today's world is to wish for. To expect, but without certainty of the fulfillment. To to desire it very much, but with no real assurance of getting your desire. Does that resonate? If you you do any kind of evangelism at all, you're going to realize that the world's definition of hope is very different than ours. The very understanding of that word hope is non-existent with a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ. To them it is wishing. To them, hope is exactly what it said there. This desire for something with no real assurance of getting what you desire. And I hope I'll have an awesome career one day. Of course I'm not in school, not studying, not doing anything about it. Okay, so there's not really an expectation that something's gonna I just hope it happens. You know, I hope I win the lottery. Okay, but I've never bought a lottery ticket. (laughs) You know, I've never done this, I've never done that. It's just kind of a joke how the definition of hope is very different when it comes to the world. See, we have a hope because there's substance in what we hope for. That makes a difference. There's basically two types of hope today. And I want you to get this. This is important. Hope with foundation of truth and hope without the foundation of truth. I don't care if you're in the world saved or not saved. Because truth is truth. Real is real. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you know the truth is real. You have been bought with a price, and your life is no longer your own. But because of that, he gives us hope. He gives us first faith. We have faith in knowing that one day I will be with him. Why? Because he said so. He said so, and I believe him. Why? Because what he says is truth. There's a foundation in that. So again, there are two types of truth, foundation, or two types of hope. I'm sorry, foundation in truth and no foundation. So let's let's talk about not having our foundation in truth. Okay, this world's point of view of hope. An example of this is hoping things will get better simply due to optimism. I'm an optimistic person. Have you ever met an optimistic person that goes nowhere? That they just keep hoping, 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 and they keep trudging through this slime. They keep trudging through this, you know. What what comes to my mind is a person, maybe a a lady that's being abused at home by her husband. Somebody who's being beat every day, or, or even even verbally torn apart by somebody in their family. They hope it's going to get better. They hope for something new, but you see years later, that doesn't change. See, our hope can't be in people here in this world. Our hope can't be just an optimistic process that, oh, it's going to get better. Why? Well, I just know it will. Really? That's awesome. That's awesome that that gets you through the day, but is it real? No. See, when somebody asks me why I think something's going to get better, why I believe that we are not destined to be where we are today in Ignition Church, but I believe what God has called us to be as we grow in Him, the reason I know that is because I can go back to scripture. I can go back to the very truth that he offers us in the word of God. And that's my basis of hope. Not just optimism. If it were just optimism, we're wasting our time. If it's just optimism, then I have to take every day to make myself feel better. Well, you're not in a building yet. Okay, i got to make myself feel better. Well, I, I, I hope will be. I believe we'll be. I'm optimistic that we'll be. If that's all it was, then that's going nowhere. But see, I know we will be simply because the I have hope in his truth. I have hope in his promises. See, there's no foundation for the kind of hope that is simply due to optimism, simply due to being an up person. And they're awesome people, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I tend to be an optimistic person. I, you know, I'd rather be that than a negative person. Okay, but if that hope is not founded in truth, then it's not really hope. It's simply a choice in our mind to be optimistic. We have to put our hope in the power of Jesus Christ, and not of this world. And the Bible talks about that. Turn to Psalm 33. See, the Bible deals with with this this choice that we have. Where we place our hope. Where we place our future outlook, right? Psalm 33:17 says the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation Of the wicked will perish. And I was reading—I didn't write it down—but I was reading another verse in Psalms that talked about, "Don't put your hope." And you you have to understand their world at that time. But they don't put your hope in the horses. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, did I? Did I went? Okay, I thought maybe I didn't (laughs) write it down. I went. Okay, my bad. I, I went too far. Okay, oops. What did I just read? Oh, you know what? I went one further, didn't I? I just read Proverbs. Never mind. It's a great verse. It's a great verse, right? it's a great verse, yes. Well, let's read the right verse. How's this? The war horse is a false hope for salvation. There is no wrong verse. That's right. That's, you are correct. There is no wrong verse. But it's correct. The Holy Spirit doing all kinds of things. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. What it's saying there, remember back then, you know, the military was shown by the horses. The horse was, the war horse was the strength of a military. Just like in Rome, the strength of its military were chariots drawn by horses. That was what they put their trust in. And what it's saying here is you can't put your trust in that. That's not where real hope abides. It's a false hope for salvation. Right? Because remember, we're here for a short period of time on this earth. But it doesn't end here. Right? There's something after we die when we are here. That's how come we even came to Christ in the first place. Because when we breathe our last breath, we enter into what is the real reality. Something we don't understand right now. But what we see here is not the real reality. That's why God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's to understand where he dwells understand that real reality of what's going on around us in the world, not just what we see, what we can sense. Why? Because we have to get that because our lives are such a short part of our overall existence. So if we have faith in the things that show strength here on this earth, if we have faith in that war horse, if we have faith in our career... If we have faith in our relationship with somebody here on earth, well, you know, I get along really well with my boss and, and I'm, I'm going to put faith in that and that's what I'm going to put all of my faith into because I know my boss is really going to take me to the top. Or perhaps this other person that I'm in relationship with, if I put all my hope in them or put all my hope in, in, my, in my intellect and what I've come to learn about something... If I put my hope in temporal things like that, there is no hope. That's what it's saying. Why? Because salvation isn't just for this, life. It's not just for what we experience here on earth. It's for what happens that next breath after we breathe our last. So if our hope does not extend into that real reality... If our hope does not extend into eternity, it's not real hope. It's temporary. It has no depth. It has no substance. So we can't put our hope in the material things of this world thinking that's going to get us through. See, because life doesn't end with our last breath, in reality, it begins. It begins with that last breath. If you took our life and and you had a linear line and you had it extended out to eternity, which is really hard to fathom. Okay, let's even just say a million years, which is a blip to eternity. If you took a million years and took the 70 years or so that you're alive, it'd be this tiny little thing, right? In comparison... Well, compare it to eternity. And yet we put so much stock into this life. We put so much stock into what we're doing here. Why? Because this is our reality. This is what we know. That's why God said, seek his kingdom. Seek to understand the realm beyond what you see. Seek to understand where he dwells. Put your hope in that. Because then your hope extends beyond this life. Your hope is seated in truth and not in the temporal things of this life. Right? So putting our, our hope in the power of this world gets us nowhere. As, as it says there, the warhorse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. So as everything that we can hope for in this world, it will do nothing for you when you stand before the Lord. Nothing. Nothing at all. So the other is having hope. Hope is having its foundation in truth. We talked about not having a foundation in truth. That's the world's hope. Our hope as Christians is having its foundation in truth. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at our foundation as stated in Jesus Christ. And and I'm going to read uh, verse 5, 1 through 11. You know what, before I comment, let's just read it. Because scripture is so powerful. And this chapter is so powerful. I want it just to speak to you. Therefore, this Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Ouch. And it would be a whole lot better if he took that out of there, wouldn't it? All right, but he's saying it. So let's absorb it. Let's understand this. Not only that, but this is, this is verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now we can stop there, but I want to keep going because it's important to understand how God laid this foundation. For while we were yet still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's just, I don't know about you, but those 11 verses blow me away. Think about what Christ is saying there. He's he's shaking us and saying, look at the real reality. You have hope beyond this life. You have hope beyond what you can see. You have hope beyond the very things you can touch and have sense of. Verse 2, let's read verse 2 again. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, rejoice there, that word rejoice, is not a completely accurate translation. And I I really want to encourage you, as you study the word, as you have your personal devotions, I want you to begin researching beyond just what you're reading. There are so many good helps today in doing that. And so many helps that are free. I mean, there, there's plenty you can buy. But I'll, t- I'll give you one right now that is one of the best helps I've ever seen. It, can, it gives you, I want to say, about ten different commentaries. It gives you Strong's Concordance. It gives you the Greek. gives you the Hebrew. It gives you everything. And, and I, I think, I think it has like 20 different versions, you know, translations of the Bible in it. It's called BibleHub.com. BibleHub.com. When you are doing your devotions, have it up. Or have it on your phone. Have it wherever you can access it. And as you come across action words, as you come across words that, that are denoting take some kind of action, look them up. Because it might really surprise you to get a feel for what God is saying there. Because in the Greek, in the Hebrew, theres it's not just a translation, but there are different tenses that God puts in there that it's important that we're aware of. And and this, this word rejoice is one of those. It's not a completely accurate translation. The Greek word here, and I'm not going to try and pronounce this. <laughs> I'll spell it for you. K-A-U-C-H-A-O-M-A-I. Okay. The Greek word there for rejoice, it means to boast or to vaunt. To glory and make joy or rejoice. See, it gives you a little bit different feeling of what that, let's, let's think about that. Think about what that word rejoice really means, to boast, and let's reread it. Verse 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith, this thing we talked about last week. We had faith in Jesus Christ, we have faith that he's going to do that, that opened the door for us. That gave us access to something God has that we did not already have access to. So by faith, we obtained access to something, Okay, faith into this grace in which we stand, and we... What? We boast. We boast. We vaunt. We glory in. We make noise about in hope of the glory of God. It's not a quiet thing. Being a Christian is not a quiet thing. It can't be. If you have the hope that he's giving you in this verse, God's not a liar. And he said, through faith, you've accessed this grace in which you live every day. This grace in which you take that very next step. By faith, you open this door to hope. You open this door to hope of what? The glory of God. And it says, rejoice in it. But when we dig a little deeper, we understand it doesn't mean just sit at your kitchen table Woo-hoo, God. You know, it's not about just, hey, you're awesome, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, so much. I love you so much. And then when we're around people, we're just dead quiet. It says rejoice. Vaunt. Be bold. Boast. Boast in your hope. Why? Because it's a saving hope. Jesus Christ changes lives. Jesus Christ saves lives. Lives. We may not understand that right now. Because we, we only understand it by faith. But when we stand before the bema seat of Christ, or those who stand before the great white throne judgment, who don't know Christ, we're going to know and we're going to realize the substance of this faith and hope that we've had our whole lives. And that substance is that the Bible's true. The Bible's real. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is things that we can attain when we get to heaven through Jesus Christ. The main one being life. Life more abundantly here on earth, but life everlasting there. And that's, we love to concentrate on that. We love to think about that. But you know what? There is the opposite. There is a hell. Hell is real. And hell is permanent. If anybody tells you different, you need to open up your word, the word of God, and and you need to see for yourself. It's permanent. And our choice is made in this little blip of time that we call life. This little blip of time that... In, in the timeline of eternity, can, it's just a speck. But in that speck, we make a choice. Each one of us makes a choice. To by faith follow Him, to by faith accepting Him into our heart, knowing what He did on the cross for us. And then by hope, understanding what He has for us. Not just in this life. Read chapter 11 of Hebrews, because it talked about the hope that they had, they never realized in their lifetime. The hope that Abraham had, his hope, was in the promise that God had that he would be his seed would be greater than the sands of the sea, or the, the sands of the shore. It would be greater than all the stars in the heaven. See, Abraham never realized that. No, he he only realized a few. So he died not experiencing what he was promised. But his hope was in another time. So by making this choice in this little blip of a life that we have, we make our choice to accept Jesus or to reject Jesus. And that's, that's I want you to get this, because there's a dying world out there. There are people, everybody in here knows somebody who does not know Christ as Savior. If the world were to end right now, or their life were to end right now, it's too late. And this idea of being politically correct... About, well, we don't talk about hell. We don't talk about the bad stuff. We just, we talk about God's love. We talk about how good he is. And amen, praise God, you should. But do you you understand there's another side of God? There's a perfectly righteous side of God. There's a perfectly righteous that requires justification justification for our sin justification for not seeing him for who he is the creator of this world the one who died on the cross to save us there's there's penalty for that it's important to understand that now for us who are saved praise god but that's why he wants us to boast In our hope. Because in boasting, in our hope, we're going to open our mouths. We're going to let people know that, hey, I want you to see what Christ did for me. Not just now. But in hope, this is what He's doing for me in the future. In hope, I'm going to be with Him one day. None of this is going to matter then. Everything that matters is going to be before us when we stand before him. These people need to know that. They need to know that they have a choice. We need to let them know that they have a choice. That there is a hope of something greater than us. There is a hope of something greater than that war horse. There is a hope in something that's eternal. And by choosing or, or by not choosing to engage in that hope doesn't mean we avoid the other. Well, I just won't think about God. If I don't think about God, it's he's not really there. That's kind of like that optimistic person that just thinks everything's going to get better. It's not based in truth. It's not based in truth in what real reality is. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a God. There is an enemy. And by the way, they are not of equal power. (laughs) The enemy may be given a a long leash here on earth, which he has been. He's been made the prince of the power of the air. But you want to understand what his demise is? Read Revelation. You want to understand what, what, what his limited access and his limited power is? Read the word of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, do you understand you have authority over him? Not just authority over a few demons, not just, well, you know, I have authority over the tier one enemy right now, and I'm really kind of working my way up to have authority over, you know, the next level. No. (laughs) No, because when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you became a co-heir with him. You get that? A co-heir with him. You have authority over the enemy, you have authority over Satan himself. Unfortunately, we don't realize that authority. Oftentimes, we we succumb to our hope being in that war horse. When we place our hope in the things that we can see, you know, and when our hope is there, then we don't understand who we are in Christ. We don't understand our very authority in Him. He wants us to get it. He is is there offering us a life full of what we just talked about, full of this joy, this peace, living in the grace that by faith we accessed. Notice it doesn't say by faith, it just pours all on you. We We access it by faith, we have to live in it by hope. We let him just pour all over us. We understand who we are in him. It's important to understand this this idea of hope is not a quiet idea. We need to open our mouths. Let's look at verses 3 through 5 there. I want to kind of go back over these because it gives us kind of a a detailed outline of how this works in our life. Verse 2. It, let's read or I'm sorry, verse three through five. Let's let's read three through five. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Think about that. Suffering produces endurance. Anybody in here a runner? Okay, we have a few runners in here. Alright, I'm, I'm going to use this That's what I mean. Yeah, okay. I don't mean running from something. <laughs> if somebody is chasing you, that's not the kind of running I'm talking about. I was talking about running from rain. Oh, okay. Well, anytime somebody takes on something like running, okay, the first time you do it, you want to die, okay? Probably the second, third time you do it, you want to die. See, that's why I don't do it. I I really try and stay away from anything that makes me want to die. (laughs) No, but in reality, as you do it, that suffering, that pain, any kind of working out, any kind of, of buffeting your body, right, you suffer through it. You suffer through it, and what happens? You build up this endurance right you build I remember playing soccer I think it was 8th grade and and it was the first time I had ever played soccer before and we first day of practice we go there and we run and run and we run and when we were done we ran some more okay second day guess what we did we ran we ran some more we continued running oh go get a drink and come on back we're going to run some more we did this for 2 weeks and I remember thinking, I joined soccer, right? I mean, this isn't the track team. This is soccer. You know, what, what in the world? When am I going to learn some skills? And the bottom line is, what was it doing? Building up our endurance. Building up our endurance through that suffering. Through that pain. buffeting our body. Getting it ready to actually go out there and kick a ball. Because you can have all the skill you want if you can't actually run up to the ball. It doesn't help. <laughs> right? Okay? So that, that's what he was doing there. He was, through that suffering, the coach was producing endurance in us. Now, what's that next step? It says here, when we produce this endurance, then that endurance of enduring the suffering produces character. Ooh, the C word. We don't like that. Character. Right? Character. When we we suffer through something, we endure through that, it builds character in our lives. Anybody who has had a parent has heard that word before. (laughs) Right? We need character in our walk with God. As we suffer, it produces endurance. As we suffer for Him. I don't mean just suffering on our own, you know. But when we suffer for Him, when we spend time in the Word of God, when we take time out to study His Word, to pray, to worship, okay, and we take time out to do that, which could be applied to something else, through that, there's conviction. Through that, there's realization of who He is in a good way and in a bad way. We don't just realize that he is God and how awesome he is and and what he, he loves me and he does all these things. No, then we begin to understand when we see how awesome he is, we see how faithless we are. Read Paul. The closer Paul got to Christ, the more he realized how undeserving he was. So when we get to know Christ, it's not just about all the good things that we realize. But as you are intimate with him, and as you develop that intimate relationship, you realize how bad you are hurting. We realize that when we make choices, it has an effect on him. It doesn't just affect our relationship, but he is hurt. And there's an effect on him. So through these sufferings, it produces endurance. That endurance produces character. And that character produces hope. That's what the Bible says. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame why because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us see we have been given something very special we have been given this this entity of the of the Godhead this this person of the Trinity in the in the name of the you know in the form of the Holy Spirit we have been given him when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior He is the very vehicle in which these things happen. He's the very vehicle in which we suffer, we endure, which builds character, which builds hope. And God has been poured into, God's love has been poured into our hearts through this Holy Spirit that we were given. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 15 and I'm I'm going to end with this. And it's important to get this, this. This verse here, I want to tear it apart a little bit because this is another verse that means one thing when you just read over it. But when you dig into this, it means so much more and it's interesting because i didn't even get this till this morning till almost right before i came up here i was i was sitting there during during uh the the class hour and i was reading over this verse and the holy spirit just said dig deeper just look into this so so i don't have this in my notes or anything else so you'll have to bear with me a little bit here we're going to we're going to go into some greek here as i pull it up Let's read verse 13. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, this is, first of all, this written to people that are saved. You have to understand that, that that is the prerequisite in being able to claim this verse. You have to know Jesus Christ in your heart. But what do we see in the beginning of this this verse? May the God of hope... So God is the foundation of hope. The very hope that we want to attain, the very hope that we want to have in our lives, God is the foundation of. May the God of hope fill you. Picture the God of hope, this person who has this bucket, all the hope in the world is is contained in this bucket, okay? And he takes this bucket, and you're just an empty vessel, and he just begins to pour. This is the only true hope. Remember, we're not talking about the hope of the world that is just optimistic, hoping things will get better. This, this picture, this is the true hope that the Father contains in this picture. I want you to... Just visualize this. You're, sent, you're standing there as, as just an empty vessel. And he begins to pour it in. That's what this verse is saying that he does for us. He takes the hope. Why? Because he's the foundation of hope. He is the God of hope. He is the one where hope began. And he takes this picture of hope and he begins to pour it into us. To fill us up. That's what's going on at the beginning of this verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. All joy and peace. How many would like some joy and peace? <laughs> yeah. Do you know he offers that? Do you know he offers to fill you with the hope of joy and peace? He says he, He's saying there, he's just standing there with the pitcher, just waiting for you to ask him to tip it. Just waiting there, asking, just waiting for you to ask him to pour it out into you. But I want to look up a word the word in. Okay, if we look at in. In the Greek, it, it's, it's a preposition, uh, it's a primary preposition, but it's actually two words in the Greek, okay? The, the Greek word is even, or E-V-E-N, uh, it's, it's two separate participles there, but it's, it's a primary preposition denoting a fixed position, okay? Denoting a fixed position in place, time, or state. Okay, let, let's go back then, and, and hold on, let me pull up this other Greek word that has to do with it as well. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it includes feminine or neuter and blah, 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 you don't need any of that. Um, okay, this is the part I wanted to point out. It's a definite article. Okay, it is a definite article. In other words, this word in means a lot more than you think it does. It is a definite thing. It is denoting a fixed position. So let's go back and read that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, it means when you are in that fixed position of believing. See, you can't claim that when you're not in that position of believing. That's why last week we talked about faith. The faith has to be there in believing that Jesus Christ's word is true. When you pull up something in his word that's a promise, you've got to believe that it's true. You have to have faith that he does what he says and says what he does. You have to believe that. It's an active thing. When you wake up in the morning, that's why I read that there. It is a fixed position. It's something that does not waver. You don't wake up in the morning and decide, well, you know what, today I'm just not going to believe him. Because if you do, then you're not going to be filled with that joy and peace. You ever wonder some days when you're down? You ever wonder why the joy and the peace that you have one day may not be there another day? Because you have to be active in a fixed position of believing. It's not just a part-time thing. See, I trust his word consistently. If you've ever taken a promise and you claim that promise, you will learn that principle. I remember back years ago when when we had a a difficulty after 9-11... Our our business was greatly affected by 9-11. And and you guys have heard me say this verse, and I've applied it so many different ways since, but but 2 Corinthians 9-8, but my God is able to make all grace abound toward you, having all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work. See, that verse promises me that if God gave me something to do, and, and I confirmed that with him, He's going to give me everything I need to do it with. Everything. He said all three times in that verse. See, that's a promise of his. So when I go to claim that promise, I have to be active in believing it. I can't just say, well, he said it in there, so I, I'm sure it'll apply to me if he wants it to. No. <laughs> no. It applies, but there's an action that we have to take. We have to believe it. We have to claim it. Why? Because he wants to prove to you that his word is true. He wants to prove to you he does not lie. That's what it's saying here. He gives us joy and peace in believing. Right? It's that fixed position of believing. That's how we receive The joy and the peace. And why do we do that? Second half of the verse. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It doesn't say by your own mind. It doesn't say, well, by natural deduction, if I do this, then I will abound. No, it says by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not our own intellect. You can't just know the word of God and everything go the way it's supposed to go. That's called intellect. That's called knowledge. See, you have to believe it. You can know Jesus Christ, never accept him as Savior, and spend eternity in hell. See, it says even the demons know who he is. But you have to believe you have to believe that the promises you claim being the word of God apply to you. You have to believe that when God tells you something in his word, he is faithful and just to complete it. He does not waver. He doesn't hit it 99 times out of 100. So he's, he's pretty good. We can, we can count on him, you know, pretty much. no. You could count on him every time. So if you could count on Jesus Christ, and you knew it, I, I would say if we went through here and did a raise of hands, and I said, who in here believes you could count on Jesus Christ every time? I, I would imagine all the hands would go up. So why don't we? Why don't we? If he has the answer, if he is the source Of our joy and our peace, then why don't we go after Him? He wants us to. It's because oftentimes we forget the very vehicle that He uses to do that with, and that's the Holy Spirit. Because it just said it by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There is no hope by yourself. It's that relationship that we have in Jesus Christ, which is through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. That's how we abound in hope. So all this goes full circle back to the one thing, intimacy in Jesus Christ. I think we say it just about every week. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. (laughs) This intimate place with him. That secret place when you're worshipping, when you're ingesting his word. Not just getting the knowledge, but you're understanding what he's saying. You're breaking it down like what we just did. See, when we do that, there's a little bit different understanding there, isn't there? When we when we understood what that word in means it gave us a little bit different picture of what that verse is talking about, of where our hope is. It's not just something that we hope is going to come and hope is going to hit us. It requires something of us. We're required to believe. And that belief is active. That belief is boastful. Not boasting in ourselves. Boasting in Jesus Christ. Like Paul said, I I would not boast in myself, but I'll boast in him. There was nothing quiet about Paul. I can't wait to meet him. Nothing quiet about him. There shouldn't be anything quiet about us. And I don't mean being annoying. (laughs) I'm talking about what he does in our lives. We need to let people know. Amen. Let's bow our heads.